0: Well, welcome, everybody, to God Conversations. Um, this is week four of the Bible Institute's God Conversations, and I uh, thank you for joining us. apologize that we're having to do it this way. Uh, we had an ice storm, as you know, this past Wednesday, and it changed everyone's plans, and so we weren't able to meet. So uh, our programming is full uh, this next week and the week after that, so we wanted to continue so I hope you get a chance to, to take this in, and um, just thank thank you for joining us. Um, I'm going to share my screen, so hopefully we can see the slides and everything, um, and we'll hope this goes through as planned. But I'm relatively new at this, so we'll see. Okay, I think we are, I think we're in business. Okay, so. Um, the first thing I think we need to uh, go back and look at. I know I, we, I sent out the email communication, and I had mentioned that, you know, what we were going to go over was uh, evangelism in the red zone, and you know, it, getting in the red zone is is something that, you know, if you know the, the game of football, it's everything inside the twenty yard line, and you don't generally end up in the red zone by accident. Unless there's a turnover, so occasionally we find ourselves in evangelism, and boom, we're we're in the red zone quickly uh, because of other um, work that has been done in front of us by other followers of Christ that are planting seeds and turning soil. But often our conversations in evangelism, you know, just we want to move towards uh, the red zone, so to speak, and ultimately we're going we're going for the goal line, right? We, we, that being, we'd love to see our friends, our neighbors, our family put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so I hope tonight uh, we're able to share some information that just helps us with moving through that area of what we call the red zone and, you know, and moving people closer to the gold line. And it's no mystery that the, the way to do that is we need to go back to the basics. And the basics is a little bit of a review. And I know we keep hammering on this, uh, these things, but we have to remember what we've already, the foundation that's been laid down. And one of the things that we said in week one of God Conversation is that we need to master a method of sharing the gospel. Now that method could be a number of of methods. Uh, We've shared the bad news, good news approach by Evantel Ministries that puts out those tracks and we gave many of those out. We also handed out a number of tracks from Search Ministries. Um, These are fantastic tools that you can use and share in the gospel. But some of you may have your own method and maybe it's the bridge illustration or Romans 623, which is very similar to the bridge or the four spiritual laws or, or whatever. All those are great methods, but we have to put in the work of mastering a method before we can think that we can be successful in sharing the gospel effectively. And so um, realizing it's God that, that causes all things to grow, but we want to do our best. And just like any type of work or just like in football, if you're going to reach the goal line, uh, there's lots of strategy. The defense is strategizing to keep you out of the red zone, but if you get in there, um, you know, the offense is strategizing to how they can score, and so uh, I don't want you to underestimate the the work that you guys are going to need to put in on mastering a method. You don't call it just knowing a method, you know, just, I could probably go through it. You really need to nail it down to where you have very, you have very much confidence in sharing that message. And well, how do you build that confidence? (laughs) You build it by sharing it with someone and you can share it with a friend, your spouse, your children. Uh, All of this will build your confidence in, in sharing the gospel. So, we have to start there. Also, we know, and, we, and this is going back to the basics, one, two, three. You've got to remember these things. God values the one. The one who? The one who is lost. The one that he has laid on your heart. And we also know that there are two key must-know principles in evangelism. And principle number one, we looked at this in week two, Evangelism is a process, and it may take many conversations, you know, to move someone from, say, they're six clicks away from the cross. They're they're a negative six from the illustration that I'd shared. You know, and if if we could do everything we can to just move them closer to the cross through our relationship building, through answering their questions, then that's going to be key. And, of course, we keep hammering on this. We know that God is responsible for the results. So as we share, God will do the heavy lifting. Also, we, we looked at the three barriers that often come up in God conversations. And I want to challenge you to review those and know some, some strategies of, of how to navigate the waters of these barriers, the emotional, the intellectual, and the volitional. Uh, it's important that we kind of know some of those things to expect them, but don't let them them scare us. Let's just work through them and spend some time finding answers to their questions, and continuing on the path towards the goal line. And in this, we want to remember that we want to be intentional with our strategy, but we don't want to manipulate people. Okay, that is not that is not our goal. We are not looking to. Uh, just get people to agree with us, or, you know, uh, building that relationship will grease the wheels to open up a conversation about God, and we're going to talk about uh, how to effectively do that um, as we as we finish or move through tonight's material. Um, one question that sometimes comes up is, how do you measure success you know, in evangelism. And we, we've talked about, you know, evangelism isn't closing the deal. We know that success in the red zone, you know, means scoring a touchdown in, in football analogy. But what is success in evangelism? I believe that success in evangelism is hinged on these two things, faithfulness to have the next conversation and faithfulness to share the gospel. If we are doing these things, uh, I believe we are successful in our efforts in evangelism. Remember, we are planting seed, we are turning soil, we are fertilizing, we're watering, and God makes everything grow. We don't. It's normal for us to want to make success and to measure success, you know, by standards that. Uh, can kind of get us in trouble, you know. 2 Corinthians five seven that says that we live by faith, not by sight. And I understand that defining success as faithfulness is hard to embrace because it requires us to totally depend on God, and that is true. But I think if we focus on these things, that we just we're committed to have that next conversation with our friend, our family member, our neighbor then we're, we are doing what we can uh, to point them to Christ. Another thing, another way that I say this is this, is I say success in the red zone of evangelism is having the next conversation with the aim of pointing and connecting them to Christ through the gospel. Now notice some of the key things. We want to move through, that we want to have that next conversation and we want to point them to Christ, connect them to Christ, And the way that we do that is through the gospel. We talked last week about uh, don't wait too long to insert the gospel message into your conversations. Don't get stuck in the questions. Uh, Insert the gospel when it's appropriate. You may have to go through several questions, but don't stay there. Get to the gospel as quick as possible. You know, when we've looked at evangelism in the red zone. But if you think of this also in terms of baseball and just kind of change the metaphor here a little bit, you know, baseball is a nine inning game. And, you know, often baseball, you might go out, you know, in a game and you may have your, your starting pitcher and, you know, you kind of hope your starting pitcher can go five innings, (laughs) but, but looking at this in the innings one through three, you know, in evangelism, what are we doing? in the innings one through three in our strategy the the first thing that we're doing is we're just looking to build relationships, right? We're just, we're just looking for, for common ground, right? We looked at, um, finding areas of common ground around experiences or life situations, you know, or sports or lunch, you know, all of these, uh, offer an opportunity for us to deepen our relationship with another person. Um, And these are the things that I think we should, we should spend some time thinking about and, you know, and how we're going to connect with people and have these conversations. And we do that on common ground. Once we've established that base for our, our God conversations and we built that relationship up, the relationship is maturing. We then move into innings, you know, four through six, where these conversations are moving, moving us from small talk to spiritual without pushing. And, you know, I think one way that we can do this is we can start by asking some, you know, just specific questions. And you might want to, you might want to write some of these down. I think these are have been very helpful for me questions that we can ask that, um, and, I, and even in our asking the question, we, at, we can ask permission to ask a question. And that's that's really disarming. You know, so you know, just imagine yourself at lunch and you've you've built this relationship with this person over several weeks or months. And then you might you might lead in with a question like, hey, would you mind if I ask you a personal question? Now, I've never had anyone say, no, <laughs> it's possible. And I suppose if they said, well, well," uh, excuse me, I said that wrong. I've never had anybody say, say yes, I, I mind that you ask me a personal question. Most people say no. Um, if they say yes, I mind, well, I guess that's a rain delay in our baseball analogy, but most people say, sure, sure, go ahead, ask me, ask me a question. Um, And, you know, some questions that we can ask, you know, that, that might help us move towards uh, really getting to the spiritual aspect of where, where we desire is, is one question that a friend shared with me once was this. Hey, this is a question I want to ask you. What part, if any, has a relationship with God played in your life up to this point? And and if the answer is none, that's okay. Now, what's beautiful about that question is there's not a, I mean, you're just asking them, has God been in your life at any point? Has there ever been a point that God, God played a role in your life? And, While I've heard both answers on this side, just no, not really. I've never had any desire for God. Okay, at least you know what you're dealing with then. Uh, But often, more often, in fact, um, especially growing up in this part of the country, the Bible Belt, you know, people will will start to share. Well, yeah, I remember I I went to church regularly as a child. Or when I got to college, I... Um, I got involved in something and, and for a season I was, I was very committed to church and, and you can start to explore, you know, those avenues to find out what, what is their background, you know, with, with God and where, where are they coming from? You might, you might find a lot of information, be very helpful. And, you know, in pursuing, you know, uh, other questions, but, but you're just getting to know them. On a on a on a spiritual side of what what part God has played in their life up to this point, and the whole hope here is that is that we want we want them to do the talking. We're we're just asking questions. We're we're getting to know them on the spiritual realm of of, of their life, and you know if they share something about their childhood or their upbringing that you know they're they're. The church they went to, you know, you could ask them other questions. You know, well, ha- was that meaningful you for to you during that phase of your life? Did it make a difference in any way? In what way specific? Uh, was it good? In what ways was it bad? Th- these kinds of questions will help you steer uh, around, you know, their spiritual life and and where they they're coming from. Um, it also hopefully you know can lead us to a place where we can we can maybe ask another question. And another question that you might consider asking is: Would you mind if I ask you another question? And then you know, if they say yes, say: Has anyone ever shared with you uh, along the way of how to begin a relationship with God? Has anybody ever shared with you of how to begin a relationship? with God. And again, a yes no question. And and when we when we they answer that, you know you can then you can share, you know, I have an idea. Maybe the next time that we get together, would you mind if I share with you the essentials on how do you begin a relationship with Christ or God? You know, that brings in the segue of, of bringing in your story, uh, and connecting your story to the gospel, and in sharing your story, you can weave the gospel in, and that's why uh, it's important to have your method ready, because that's when you would you would share at that next appointment. Um, you don't have to do it all in one setting. Just take your time, and you know, and as the Lord leads, you can ask these questions and. And ask for permission, you know, to ask them. But then once you get that, you can just dive right in. And you know, the next time we're going to meet, I I'm, I need to be ready with this. And so you you share your method. So I know the search booklet. I know some of you have have picked that up and have made some comments on that. But it all, it shows you you know really uh, four points that are very easy to go through, similar to the bad news, good news. The search booklet looks at God's position, he's perfect, and has verses and illustrations to back that up. Our condition, we're fallen, we're separated from God. And then God's provision and verses and illustrations of God's provision, and then it's it really comes down to our decision. And so the search booklet is is very helpful. And if anyone needs more copies of those or would like some of those, uh, make sure you let me know here at the church, and I'll get those to you. Again, keep in mind, our, our goal is just to move people closer uh, to becoming a new believer, you know, closer to Christ. And uh, we do that just by with patience, and and we do that by intentionally engaging our friends, our family, and our neighbor, um, with these types of questions, we can't stay in the relational innings. We have to, we need to be moving in innings four through six, where the gospel is presented. And then once, once the gospel is presented, um, then we go into innings seven through nine. Okay, this is this is kind of the closing of a game, and that's we ask for decision. You know, you know, we can, if we've challenged them to, to read, um, you know, a track that we've given to them, you know, here's another question that we could ask. Would you, would you do me a favor? Would you read through, you know, this, this booklet a couple times before we next meet? I I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Well, uh, you're going to, you're going to share it with them, but they've, they've actually had the chance to look through it. Um, and, you know, they know you're going to ask them these questions. Um, and, and so this is a great, a great uh, question to ask them because most people say, well, sure, I'll, I'll look through it. And it's just natural for, you know, for your next meeting, you know, to, to talk about it because they've already looked through it. It's, you're not springing it on them. And, you know, it's, it, they haven't seen it just for the first time, which kind of is intimidating for people. But but once you've done that, you can then ask him. Did you have ch- a chance to read the booklet? You can have it, you can have an extra copy of it, in case they, they don't bring it back. Then um, just ask him. What were your thoughts? Um, you know, where would you say that you are that you are on this? And, you know, and if they say you know, well, I, I don't know. You you could press a little further if you know, potentially. You could say even if they're a sports person and they, they like football, you could say, well, if, you know, if we were on a football field and the end zone (laughs) was a commitment to Christ, you know, what yard line would you be on? Is another question you could, you can uh, ask him and they go, well, maybe I'm, you know, I'm at the 30. Okay, great. Well, what what do you think it would take to get you to the twenty, or to get you closer to the end zone? What what are your uh, reservations? So, you know, these are these are just simple questions that you can ask to, to intentionally move people you know closer to God conversations. Okay, and we hope that as as you practice this and that you you learn your method. I can't emphasize enough that once you have your method down, you, you're going to build a confidence. In fact, once you you start with these God conversations, and once you start engaging with people, they become much easier. You, you'll actually be free in your in your sharing of your faith way more than you ever imagined. And um, so we got to just step in and, and and do it. And I hope that that this is this is helpful. And is is building up a confidence in you that you can say I can I can do this, you know, and you can step out in faith and do it. So at the end, we ask for a decision. The Apostle Paul's um, had a mode for God conversations, and we see that clearly in First Thessalonians two uh, one through ten, and we're going to take a look at that because. Paul gives us the way that he moved through God conversation, and it really, it really helps us, you know, in the way we should move through God conversation. So, if you have your Bibles, uh, grab grab them or your phone, and turn to First Thessalonians two one through, one through ten, and and I'm going to read that right now. And so it says in 1 Thessalonians two. 1, start there all the way to 10, it says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at, at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error of impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as you have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God, who tests our hearts. For we never came to you with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you like nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. I think there's some, some really great uh, information that we can pull out of this text as we move through our God conversations. And the first one is this, that the gospel requires words that are backed by a solid testimony. We know, we we mentioned a few weeks ago that words are required uh, for the gospel to go out. It could be the written word of God, but, but often God uses other people in our lives, and we need to speak these words. And that's what we are challenged to do in the Great Commission. And, you know, we learn... Right in verse two, that uh, that we are to declare, uh, he says, we declare to you the gospel of God. So, to declare, you you must use word. And in verse four, it says, we were entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. We too, just like Paul, have been entrusted with the gospel, so we ought to speak the gospel. In verse eight. It says, we were ready to share with you, not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. So there's encouragement to be ready to share. And obviously, if they're ready to share, they're going to be sharing words uh, that are all around the gospel of Christ and what he has done for us. And then in verse nine, it says, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. So, so four times in this little section, uh, we learn that the gospel requires words, but it also needs to be backed up by a solid testimony so that our words uh, are coming from a reliable source and we're humble in it. And, um, you know, and a lot of people will will say, you know, that, you know, well, I kind of have, I've heard people say that, you know, words are cheap or actions speak louder than words. And yes, our, our actions do matter. Um, but, you know, we can't, we can't lead someone to Christ by just them looking at our Christian life or looking at our moral life. Um, they may look at a, a, a good example and they may go, well, that's that's great. But if all believers never spoke up and shared the gospel, where would we be? Um, as we looked at the other night, we a couple lessons back, you know, most of us, uh, other people in our life spoke the gospel to us, and many of us, maybe most of us, uh, it was many people that spoke the gospel to us over time. So the God, we just have to remember, you know, that the gospel is is a it's. You know, we need to have that t- solid testimony, but the gospel is a message. It's, it's actually news about an event. It, it actually happened in history. You know, it's on the person of Christ, the whole church stands or falls. And so um, I understand the words, you know, live out the gospel or, or be the gospel to your neighbor. I, I, I get that. But the problem with these phases is that the gospel really isn't anything that the Christian can live out or become. The gospel isn't a lifestyle, it's history. And it's something that actually happened that we need We need to tell the story. Okay? And we get a recipe of what that story is straight from Scripture. And all these methods, these tracks, help us tell that story. So we've got everything in front of us that we need, uh, but we've got to get our method down and we've got to get our words out. Okay? So, the next thing that we need to do is we need to have a confidence in our message, a confidence in our message. And this is, this is found, you know, in verses two and three here in first Thessalonians two, it says, we we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel. And what was, what was the message? It was the gospel. It was the good news, right? Was it authentic? Yes. It says it was without error, or impurity, or any attempt to deceive. So they did everything they can to make sure that um, their testimony was strong and their message was true. So this is something that we need to remember as well, just like Paul. We need to have a confidence in our message and what it's done for us. And we need to take the same care that Paul did as he shared it with the church of Thessalonica. Also, we need to develop a conviction to be God's messenger. In verse uh, 4, it says this. It says, But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God, who tests our hearts. So, Their ultimate desire was not pleasing men, but it was pleasing God. And we need to be, we need to have that same conviction that we are, we like Paul are God's messengers. The fourth thing is that, um, we need to develop a, a concern for people in verses five through nine. Um, Paul shares how how tender he was. He says that you know uh, what was not their concern it was he wasn't trying to use flattery words or greed or the praise of men. That was not their concern. It was the people that was was Paul's concern. look look at verses seven through nine. look how many times the word you was mentioned okay just in, in that text, we were gentle among you, in verse 7. In verse 8, but being affectionately, affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you the gospel. Um, on down at the end of verse 8, you had become very dear to us. Verse 9, um, not we didn't want to be a burden to any of you. Okay, so all of these you know, uh, the other person was was on the heart of Paul, and you know the the people of of the church, and and that's what we need to do as we lay out our uh, the gospel to others. Is that you know how much do you love them? I mean, you know, uh, Paul so cared for these people as he proclaimed the gospel that started the church in Thessalonica. That he was so tender with it, with them, and so we too need to have much concern, you know, for people. And this is this is going to take a lot of effort. I hope this doesn't look like just, um, um, and it may not be a habit, you know, that many of us have. We we kind of get in a rut where what we we like people, but this is going to take some work. But it's it's work worth doing. It's worth that we are called to do. So let's let's continue to develop our concern for people. Okay. It's, it's been said that you can care without you, you can give without caring, but you can't care without giving. Um, if we sincerely care about people, we need to spend time with them with a view of seeing them come to Christ. We know that. Um, Jesus's words uh, when he saw the crowds from Matthew 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, um, if if you don't feel that, that this is something that is normal for you to to just to, to desire, you know, someone um, to come to faith in Christ. You know, this is this is a prayer we could pray. Lord, increase my passion for the lost. If you know someone is lost, and uh, you could you could pray to God, Lord, Lord, help me to have that same uh, conviction and passion that you had to see people as helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And I believe God will answer that prayer, um, but we need to pray it. Okay, And and I think God will increase our burden for the lost. The the last thing here I think that we can pull out of of Paul's mode for God conversations is this, is a determined consistency. A determined consistency. In verse 10 uh, of this section, Paul writes... You were witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. So um, with God as your witness, <laughs> and, and just your own, your own conviction of, of how, how am I doing on this is, um, you know, how consistent are you D- working on that like Paul? To say I, I am blameless before God, I'm giving everything I've got to see this person uh, and introduce him to my Savior, and you know, it, it'd be a good night, it'd be a good day, you know, uh, uh, to have a good night's sleep if you if you feel like I've done everything I can uh, with my friend, um, with my neighbor, and I'm going to continue on that path. And when I lay my head on the pillow, you know, God, it's in your, it's in your hands. Um, Lord, if you want to use me, use me, continue to use me. If someone else, someone else, but, but let's like Paul have a consistent, um, determined approach, you know, to our God conversations. We know that, uh, you know, There's an enemy going to be at work that's going to try to, you know, knock us down and discourage us and uh, intimidate us and say, um, you don't have any business telling others about Christ. And those are those are common things that we have to fight through. Um, But, you know, we could be we could try to get we might get stumped on, well, we don't know the answers to that this or that question, but we've already tackled some of that. You don't have to have all the answers. If we wait till we have all the answers, then we we will never evangelize, because you'll never have all the answers. But when a question comes up and you don't know the answer, um, in time you'll you'll develop answers for for many questions. I referred some books in week three that uh, you could that will help um, give you some answers to very common questions, but. But even if if you don't know the answer, it's okay. The typical response that we shared was, "Hey, that's a great question that deserves a great answer. Would you give me some time to to do a little research on that? I just don't want to fly off the handle. I want to I want to hone in on that a little bit, spend some time, and I, I, next time we get together, I'd love to come back and address that question. So." Those are some some ways that we can move through, um, you know, God conversations, looking at Paul's example. The next thing I want to look at, and we're not going to take the time to read this, but you really need to look at and spend some time reading Acts 22. Uh, Acts 22, 1 through 21 is the Apostle Paul's story. And he had a story. And you have a story as a believer in Christ, um, you may think, well, it's nothing like Paul's. I, I didn't go blind. Jesus didn't meet me on this road and reveal himself to me and tell me everything. Um, you know, that may not, that that's not your story, likely, okay. But you do have a story, and it's very, very important that that you're able to tell it. Because God often uses our own story, uh, in, you know, in, you know, in bringing someone to faith, and it's it's just, it's it's what Paul did right here in, in Acts 22, the first five verses. Paul Paul lays out his life. Of what his life life was like, you know, prior to to meeting jesus and then in verses 6 through 11 um, how paul became a believer and then in verses 12 through 21 paul's life after he became a believer and so these are these are great examples for us as we build our story because each one of us has a story so we we take that same model and we look at well, what was what was your life like before you trusted Christ? You can include specific yet appropriate examples of what your life was like. Your life was like, you know, maybe, you know, what were your your attitudes like? What were your your, um, um, you know, what was your your needs at the time? You know, what was your the problems that you were going through at that at that time before you trusted Christ? You know, what, how, what were you living for? These kinds of things. You know, I recommend kind of try to avoid, you know, being explicit or sensational on speaking of drugs immorality, crime, drunkenness, etc. But um, you can you can you know share you know what was most important to you, you know, <laughs> back at that phase of your life, and where did you get your security? Where did you get your happiness? Uh, what were you trusting in? Um, how you know what did you think of God before you came to Christ? Um, how much exposure had you had to, to the gospel? So what was your, before I trusted Christ, just dot, 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 just start filling that in and kind of writing that out uh, on a piece of paper. Okay. Um, you can also share in there, you know, how, how did those those things that were important to me, how did those things start to to let me down? You know, maybe maybe it was, um, man, I I like to uh, to go out with the guys and it was a lot of fun. But I just realized that, you know, after a while, it's just that was uh, not helping me. It's not helping my career. It was causing all kinds of problems. And and so you can you can share some some of the, the struggles that you had prior to knowing Christ and then go move into an area that of how how did you receive Christ that's that's part of your story and your goal here is to allow the listener to walk away with a clear understanding of how you became a christian and how he or she can trust christ for the payment of their sins i received an email uh, earlier this week from a friend and she she shared with me her story and how she has developed her own method um, through her own story of the gospel, and she has those key verses that many of the gospel presentations have have in it, but it's telling her story, and she can write it out, and she can show an illustration and has examples of, of where she was at in her life, and that, that's beautiful, but that doesn't happen without a lot of work, so that's a great strategy, and that's a great um, idea, and it was very encouraging to read that, but but you have a story, too, and you can just tell it, so in, in telling it, you know, be careful to not to use maybe cliches or church language that they may not understand. If you start using big churchy words, uh, uh, you know, like Paul said, I, I we weren't trying to impress you with flattery words, so let's not try and impress them with our, our you know, our Christianese. Um, let's be careful. Use terms that they're going to understand. Uh, talk about, you know, when you did hear the gospel, you know, and what your were your initial reactions? When, when did my attitude for Christ and the gospel begin to turn around? And why did it? What was going on? You know, what were the final struggles that I had that I went through my mind just before I trusted Christ? what was going on paint the picture for them and maybe maybe you add you know why did i go ahead and trust christ as my savior why why did i take that step was it an example that you saw in someone else where you had a low point in your life i don't know but that is all part of your story and write it down uh, the next part focus in on what happened after that uh paul gave us that instruction of what happened to his life after he, he found Christ as his Savior. And you've got a story too. So your goal there is to explain the specific ways that, that Christ has changed your life. Show, show them, tell them how Christ in your life has made a difference. Um, maybe give specific stories or illustrations that um, of how God changed you. And and made you into the person you are today. Um, how how you're motivated differently. How you you've learned to um, how to raise a family, maybe. Um, and the 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 responsibility of raising children, you know, is 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 big time. And it took on new light after you put your trust in Christ. So. These are are uh, really important, you know, things that we all should be able to walk through and tell in our story. Before I trusted Christ, how did I retrust, trust, receive Christ, and then after I trusted Christ, and just just be able to to share that and be confident in your message. And you know, when you first start writing down, you're going to end up with several, you know, maybe a, maybe a full page on each one, but as you as you kind of shrink it down, get it down. I don't have to read word for word, you know. I can just have a a, a point word that's gonna. I know what to say, and you can get this down. Really, you get it down on a on a on a note card, just a three by five card. Your story. You may start out needing uh, more than three note cards, but get it all down on one note card. And the goal is try to try to get your story down to about three minutes. Okay. Um, one thing I've learned is, is is people have three minutes to hear your story. And you could and through this, how you before you trusted Christ, how I received Christ and after I trusted Christ, you know if you can if you can share all three of those in three minutes, um, you're doing a great job and you're you're not taking too much time. And you can go into more depth later, but but I think it's important of, of them seeing what you were re- wrestling with, prior to trusting Christ and how it came about and then what happened as a result, that's your story. And that is a witness to them. And they can't refute that. And now you're here setting before them and you're inviting them to make the same decision that changed your life for eternity. Okay. So work on that. (laughs) Again, this is going to take some work. This is not, um, you know, and, and you can practice telling your story as well. You get it down on the note card before too long, you're going to throw away the note card. I don't need it. Um, but you might for a little while just in, in practicing with your, your family or your friend, and then you won't need it anymore. And the more you do it, you know, the more um, uh, comfortable you're going to be in, in sharing, you know, your testimony. And I think that's just so important for us, in, in sharing our testimony, you know. And I think so many of us that have followed Christ for a long time, you um, know, when I've you know shepherded many uh, believers who really desire, they want to share the gospel. Many have said, I, "I've I've never I've never shared the gospel, a clear presentation of the gospel with." with with one person. And I've never shared my story of how I came to faith with maybe anybody outside of my family. And uh, I, I believe God works through the telling of our story. He worked through the Apostle Paul, and I'm confident that he will work as you tell your story. So let's, let's be praying for boldness and opportunities uh, for us to share our story I don't know if you recognize these two baseball players, but this is Yogi Berra uh, and Hank Aaron. Yogi Berra was a catcher for the New York Yankees, and Hank Aaron was a power hitter for the um, Milwaukee Braves. And you you probably know, you've heard a lot about Yogi uh, Berra and a lot of the comments and, you know, and and the funny sayings that he had. And he he's very famous for saying a lot of funny funny things, and um, I don't know if Yogi Berra was was a believer, but man, it'd be great to have a guy like that on the Christian team because uh, he was a classic. Some of the lines that you know that he had said, uh, you've, you I know you've heard some of them, but you know uh, one of them was when it when you when you come to a fork in the road, take it, <laughs> or you can observe a lot by just watching or the famous one. It it ain't over till it's over. Um, So Yogi was very popular for, for being a gab and, and and just saying whatever was on his mind and made a lot of people laugh. Uh, He also was a good catcher and he would try to get in the heads of batters. And there's a story that, it happened in the night in 1957 in the world series and this this uh the Yankees were playing the Braves and Hank Aaron came up to to bat and there uh Yogi was doing his typical um battering with with the batter trying to throw him off and Yogi said to Hank you're holding the bat wrong you're you're supposed to hold it where you can read the trademark, Hank didn't say a word. And on the next pitch, he hit it out of the stadium. And I'm told that that's a picture of him hitting that pitch on that day. Isn't that amazing? When Hank uh, touched home plate, it was said that he, he looked at Yogi and said, I didn't come up here to read. You know, just as Hank Aaron knew his purpose as a baseball player, we must know our purpose as believers who desire for our friends, our neighbors, our family to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think that a place that we can go to, to look at, you know, the first course that Christ taught in evangelism is Luke 5. Luke 5 1 through 11 we're, we're going to read that so turn your Bibles to luke 5 and I think we could probably put ourselves in these shoes of of uh, when Paul uh, or when Jesus was calling you know his his first disciples and in, in Luke 5 starting in verse one it says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is also the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting to one of the boats, which was Simon, this is Simon Peter, he asked, this is Jesus asked to him, to put, put it out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch." Now, anybody that knew fishing <laughs> um, knew that you don't uh, you don't fish in the middle of the day. And and when Jesus is instructing Peter to, to, let's go out into the deep. Uh, It wasn't the normal thing to do. They would fish at night, and their nets weren't that big to go out into the deep. They would wait till the evening, and the fish would come closer to the banks when the water was cooler. And they would try to net the fish during that time. But they've had a rough night, and they're now cleaning their nets and mending them. And yet, Jesus comes up and says to Peter to launch out into the deep. And this is, even though Peter was confused by this statement, uh, he knew who Jesus was a little bit. (laughs) Enough to, I'm going to do it. And so, they set out, you know, for the deep. And in verse 5, it says, But Simon answered and said to him, Master, you know, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. So launching out into the deep is one thing. <laughs> Letting down the net is another. And their reputation's on the line here, you know, and yet they're going to do what the master's ask them to do. In verse six, it says, and then when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And their net was breaking. I know you've heard this story before. Verse 7, and they came and and it filled both boats, and they began to sink. You know, at this point, next to Christ, whose deity was now proven through this miracle, Peter saw himself as a helpless sinner, didn't he? And he said in verse 8, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which had taken place. You know, in the context of this, what astonished them was not necessarily the great catch of fish. The thing that astonished Peter the most is this, is that it all happened at the time when they did what Jesus said. Their master said. Verse 10, Jesus says, Don't be afraid. (laughs) From now on, you'll catch men. You know, using the basic principle of catching fish who are alive but will soon be dead, Jesus taught them the basic truth of catching men who are actually dead but will become alive. The principle is this. When our master says, do it, we just do it. The key to evangelism, I believe, is is our response. When Jesus asks us, through the Great Commission, go tell, go make disciples. Are we going to let down our net for the catch? You know, we have to ask the question, are we willing to say this? Are we willing to say this? Master, the one who holds the authority of my life, the one who is both my savior and my teacher. I have toiled all night. I've prayed. I've hoped for something to happen with my friend, with my neighbor. But maybe I've never shared the clear message of the gospel with one person. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down my net. Now, who's responsible for the catch? (laughs) We know the answer to that, don't we? You know, when it comes to evangelism, uh, God's greatest desire is always our obedience I can't imagine uh, you know what what it was like that day when Peter dropped the net down and at the moment he did that he realized who he was in the boat with and that's really what God asks us to do in evangelism is he wants us to go and to tell and he's responsible for the heavy lifting we're responsible for the communication and the God conversations and getting the gospel to the people. When it comes to the evangelism, the greatest desire is always my obedience. It's not my opinion. Our opinion could be, well, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to matter. This, this won't. We, we have opinions. But do we recognize who we're dealing with here? When the gospel goes goes out, it is God that is bringing that lost person to himself through the power of the Spirit that lives in us. And that's what he wants to do with me. That's what he wants to do through you. Mark Dever has this quote. He says, when you understand that evangelism isn't converting people, but that it is telling them the wonderful truth about God, the great news about Jesus Christ, then obedience to the call of evangelism can become certain and joyful. I say amen to that because that is exactly my experience, is that once I learned a method, once I started sharing, once I started seeing Jesus chain heart, change hearts and bringing people to himself, I, I just wanted to do it more. And why not? We've got a message that's that's worth telling, and we need to use our words uh, to do so. Uh, they say that, um, on average, we speak 16,000 words a day. Can you believe that? 16,000. How many of those words uh, are around pointing people to Christ? I realize we have jobs to do. I realize not everything that we are going to do and say is going to connect someone to Jesus, but we should also be intentional with our words um, to make some of those words uh, do everything we can as the Lord would put opportunities in front of us to connect people to Christ. And that's my hope for you all. That's my hope that you will step, step forward and launch out, into the water, launch out into the deep with your relationships, and move towards the gospel quickly. Answer questions tenderly. Uh, love people through those questions, but don't stop short of presenting the gospel through a method that you've mastered, and do the work uh, that it takes, because once you have this down, once you have this down, you'll be able to share it with others how they too can do that. You'll be encouraged them Um, but you'll be communicating with more and more people with confidence um, the gospel clearly. So, hey, thank you for uh, joining us, you know, for this uh, TBI course on God conversations. It it was uh, shorter than most, but I know there's a lot of information uh, here, so I hope you enjoyed it and uh, really look forward to our, our next class that we have together. Next week, uh, next um, uh, Wednesday, this, this coming Wednesday, this uh, 17th of February, we have um, a special um, session on, uh, it's called, I'm trying to think of the name of it, Around the World in 75 Minutes. Sorry, it took me a second, but that's put on by, um, by Kevin Bradford. He is our Global Outreach Director. And he's going to take us all the way around the world with uh, many of our missionary projects and those that we support partners around the world, and that'll be a lot of fun. So we'll do that for uh, this coming Wednesday, and then after that, our senior pastor Mark Robinson will be studying. Uh, we'll be studying six weeks on the book of Acts and a series called "Contagious Christianity." Okay. And you'll see what happens right right away in the book of Acts as the church comes on the scene and and starts to spread like wildfire. So how does it do that? It it does it through God conversations, okay? So that'll be a a, a nice little segue into that. So, hey, thank you all again. I appreciate y'all tuning in. And if you have any questions, you need some tracks, I'd be happy to get those to to you. Just let me know. Uh, We'll see you next time. Thanks.